is that you're tapping a specific, specifically when you're going off down like 30 seconds, is you're using lactic acid as a fuel substrate. So that's why it, it's a metabolic booster to your aerobic power, but that's all it is. So if, you're, if you train sustainable energy really, really well, then you have a lot of potential growth. However, at best case scenario, let's say you, you are, we'll say a four out of 10 for aerobic power. What getting really, really good and putting all of your eggs in the basket of uh, a glycolytic or anaerobic energy system training would it would just add as a, a little bit. It would take a four to a five rather than a four to a ten. So that's why you're so much well served to spend so much more time uh, on the aerobic power, the sustainable energy, because there's so much room for more room for growth as far as taking everything over. I had a good image in my head this morning. I was coach this. This will, no, this is good. This will tie right in. To start? Yeah, I mean, okay. I think it's good to, to for the people to hear us yeah, <laughs> brushing up on our science a bit. Yeah. Um, I had this little imagery this morning. There was a new member, and he was a former uh, fighter. Of, you know, he boxes and wrestles and recently jiu-jitsu and stuff. But he's super power-oriented. Power like, if you do this, if, hey, do a burpee. Yeah. It's like a max speed burpee to get down, get up. It's like, all right, well, we're going to do 100 of them. He still tries to do them like that. And I had this vision of, like, his energy system. It's like when you see an iceberg in the water, you just see that, like, tip of the iceberg, and you think that's, like, the whole iceberg. Yeah. And, like, that's, I think, how he views work is, like, the tip of the iceberg. It's like you got to be there to, like, get any work done. Yeah. Because when I try to get him to lower gears and nasal breathing and stuff, it's like he physically can't. Yeah. And it's, like, so wired for going hard to the pain his whole physiology yeah. it's like that's when when it's like all right time to move that's what movement is yeah but then it's like under the water is the 90 percent mass yeah. of that iceberg that yeah. actually should be yeah it's unseen but that, that aerobic base is ultimately like the, aerobic the base. biggest part yeah. of your ability to do work and that's a good that's a very good segue into the initial starting point for developing well aerobic power for aerobic power you need to start off and that's your base if you start off long, very long. In fact, if we start at the very long end of that, that would be training for, a, a, well, that you're training for a few hours. You don't have to train for a few hours. But a long, sustained, continuous pace. It's not falling off, going down, falling off, going down. But you should be training for a steady, continuous pace. That's a really easy workout, actually. An example of a MAP-10 could be hiking for a few hours. Um, but then let's say we're getting into a starting point of if, if you have the capacity to walk for a few hours, it's not like you need to do a whole lot of MAP-10 except for just getting outside and moving. Um, but as far as a good starting point is a, uh, a lot of times for CrossFitters specifically, we can start people at a MAP-7, which would be a 40-minute pace. So a MAP-7, if we're talking about aerobic energy, you work your way long, start long, I mean, and then work your way to very short. 
But either one of those, MAP7, if it's a 40-minute pace, a good kind of time frame for that 40-minute pace for intervals of development, it would be something, an example of this, one-fourth of the time that you're, you're intending to develop. So if it's 40 minutes, you might do work at 10 minutes, for 10 minutes at starting off at your 40-minute pace, 40-minute pace. And then you'll rest, let's say, five minutes, and then you do another at your 40-minute pace. Um, so you're not you're not training for that 10 minute. You're not training to go as hard as you can for that 10 minutes. You're training to get really, really good at that pace that you're trying to develop. Yeah. Then we get a uh, we might do it. If we're doing a progressive overload, the next week we're doing that same pace, hopefully that same modality. So cyclical is much easier for beginners to learn, and there's more likelihood of continu uh, con continuous pacing. But then we just shave off. Let's say if it is on cyclical, just using a simple example. Then on the row, we shave off, let's say, 0.5 seconds per 500 meter. Um, and over the course of 10 minutes, that'll prove to be a lot, but then actually you can do it again. And when you retest your uh, time trial or distance trial at the end of that, uh, at the end of that cycle, or 46 weeks, you're gonna be significantly faster because you've really dialed in your pace very specifically for that, um, that 40 minute pace. That's and like what runners do traditionally, most of the time, like a marathoner, they're gonna run, sh they're not gonna run a marathon every day. Yep. They're gonna run a chunk of it right. at the pace that they would run the marathon. And then what's cool though, is let's say we move from a map seven to a map six, because actually a map six, if that's at a 20 minute pace, 20 minute pace, map seven is 40 minute pace, because the pacing is actually shockingly similar to each other from a 20 to 40 minute. You can go really close to each other. Um, so then that's on the, from 20 or from 40 to 20, that would be five minutes at a time. You do five minutes at your 20 minute pace, you rest some, do another five minutes, but they're the same exact score. And at first, it's going to be what you, you would anticipate you could, you could give your best at for 20 minutes. Um, if we could real quick pump the brakes for the people listening, aerobic means we're using oxygen. Oxidative, yep. We're using as, oxygen as our to, main fuel source, right? Yep, as a sustainable output. Yep. What is MAP? So MAP is, a, is aerobic power. That's just how I'm, uh, I'm labeling when we're doing aerobic power intervals. Okay. So it's like the, <clears throat> it's, it's almost like saying, if you were weight training, that's your weights. Yeah, yeah. so it, it just means what, so, so MAP 7 is 40 minutes, MAP 6, it's just the label I put on for which, oh, time which aerobic power we're training for. Okay. And it goes all the way down to MAP 1, which would be 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, but the difference between a MAP, uh, a MAP 1 and a, um, an anaerobic uh, lactic power that would be uh, the aerobic power is utterly unsustainable. Your first 30 seconds will be your best, um, and your last one would be so much harder and so much worse. That's the pain energy system. With the aerobic power, those scores would be exactly the same. We'd have 12 calories, 12 calories, 12 calories, all throughout however many rounds we did. Yeah, so well, yeah, maybe we should go back to and just talk about the different energy systems in our bodies because we have like different engines that we can run off of yeah. those, those engines those energy systems there's there's different ones so like crossfit categorizes them the first one is that phosphogenic they call it which we were just talking about mm -hmm. if that's outdated creatine or what phosphate. But creatine yeah. phosphate so that's like the super short yeah very burst. short all out efforts yeah. and it's and it's almost like that's a that's a reserve that you have in your body that doesn't take away from any other engine so it's yeah. like it's like a quick little burst and once you use that engine it's gone like yeah. you're not going to 
redevelop that during that workout. Yeah, and, and then that's, I mean that's also uh, congruent with uh, strength work as well. Okay, so that so that's like the shortest one, and then what would be the the next one be? Then we go into anaerobic. If we're, to, if we're in the crossfit distinction, then you have like to lift it. So then that's like that's like a fram all the way up into like a. At, there's like border, a there, there's not clear cut borders between it. Yeah. Uh, but then that's that goes into like a. Like first, a, you can lengthen the the borders of your glycolytic, and you can even lengthen the borders of your um, creatine phosphate. But then glycolytic is like two to three minutes typically, uh, and then it goes to like twelve to fifteen minutes. And that's using your glycogen stores as your main fuel source, right? yeah. as opposed to when we're saying aerobic, which is using oxygen, which is everywhere. And it's if you're good at utilizing it as a fuel source, you can sustain that forever. Yeah. Right, but you only have so much stored glycogen in your muscle cells. So if you burn through all that, then there goes your glycolytic system. And then the the one that should we should be spending the most amount of time in, especially for excuse me, especially for general population, the one we should give the most energy into is oxidative, which is sustainable energy. The reason being, most of the time we as humans are a lot more in oxidative realm. So if that's the one we least develop, as far as us getting through life typically well, there's some examples of people that would need more anaerobic work and glycolytic work. But for the most part, general population is best served to develop oxidative, or at least spend a good chunk of time in their oxidative work. But that also, you could make two workouts, one way more anaerobic or glycolytic, or the same workout, one more glycolytic, by going in and like blasting through some of it and then dying, then blasting through some of it and dying. And you put the same one could be very, very oxidative just by staying nice and continuous without trying to fire through some of it and then rest, fire through some of it and rest. Yeah. So imagine and, like an analogy if you're on the bike and you're holding like a 50 cadence and you can do that for 10 minutes versus you spike to 75 for 10 seconds and then you have to slow down to 40 yeah. until you feel ready to go again. Yeah. Like those are just like those kind of just transposing that idea onto something that maybe people listening to could have experienced before. Yeah. And that more steady one is more akin to what you're gonna experience in your day-to-day -day existence where like somebody might be fit, but walking up a flight of stairs, they got out of breath. Yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> that's an issue, now, right? Now, uh, in that, can I get into a little bit about the relationship between uh, creatine phosphate and your capacity to make adaptation with uh, like anaerobic work? Um, so let's say, I like to use this example, and you guys have probably heard me say this before. Let's say we have two different athletes. One is an NFL football player who has a massive amount of force production, has power out the gills. Um, and then you have, let's say, an older, we'll say 65-year-old woman that hasn't done much as far as power expression before. I could do one workout that would give them massive amount of benefit along the anaerobic alactic power realm, which is 10 seconds or, or, or under. 10 seconds or under. And it could be something if we went on the assault bike, which is a bunch of the, the assault bike is so effective at draining us of energy because it's just a bunch of continuous concentric contractions. So it's always that work portion of of the uh, of, of the contractions there. Um, so if I gave the NFL football player and I said I said just go to the wheels, come off for 10 seconds, that NFL football player could instantly flush themselves with energy. They have a lot of power to express. By the end of that 10 seconds, they, in that first one even, they'd be pretty god-awful tired. Uh, 
And even to get anywhere close to being able to repeat that performance, which they wouldn't repeat exactly, they'd go on, they wouldn't have, a, a, if they really went hard, they wouldn't be able to get exactly there. But to get anywhere close, they'd need 15 times the amount of uh, rest to do it again. Now, I've done this with people just to show them as an example, and uh, well, I've done this to people that haven't gotten that force production yet. But if I take someone that doesn't have that force, that power production, and I say 10 seconds, they can look at me five seconds later and they're like, I can do this again. And they can look at me five seconds later and I can do this again. And do that 10 seconds, they just aren't able to instantly flush themselves of energy. And how we develop there first, and this is why, especially, uh, especially when you're starting out, you're gonna be far better served to develop your motor control and strength so you can get to a place where you can have hard enough contractions, generate enough electricity, so you are make, able to make adaptation uh, along the anaerobic energy system realm. Because if you can't make it, you're just wasting time. You're not really getting the adaptation. You have to get to a place where you're strong enough and have hard enough contractions to make the adaptation. And you can see that, like I've seen that a ton over the years where someone comes in who's like, oh, I'm a triathlete or a marathon runner. Yeah. Um, and like pretty developed in that like long endurance type stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you put them on the salt bike, just like you were saying, and they, they go hard for 10, 20 seconds. Yeah. And then they're ready to recover right away, right. and it's not a tough workout. Right. And the like, wattage isn't very up, very high. Right. They feel ready. Then they might they might throw it until I'm an endurance athlete, so I can just keep doing this. Right. But it's really they're not able to flush themselves properly of energy. Yeah. So that can also be confused as I have really good cardio, so yeah. I don't I don't need so I don't need that 15 times rest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in actuality, it's more they don't have that the strength developed or yeah that. exactly to yeah. get the adaptation from it yeah right now and if we do talk about as far as the development of anaerobic energy system what it's it's there's two different ways to develop it. if we're doing aerobic power it's long to short if we're doing anaerobic power the best as far as following tank condition protocols it would be short to long and when i say long with anaerobic along the anaerobic room it's not very long so if we're talking, an anaerobic energy system is also, another term for it is the pain energy system, and you guys all know this. I'll tell you one of the worst workouts that you can do is 30 seconds of all-out efforts on the assault bike. Um, your nervous system is absolutely fried. Um, so you start off 10 seconds, then you work your way to 10 to 20 seconds, then you work your way to 20 to 40 seconds, going all the way from anaerobic alactic power, which is without uh, oxygen, and without lactic acid buildup to um, maximum, uh, so well, if we go all the way through it, then we're going anaerobic lactic capacity, so that's 60 to 720 seconds. So it stretches out quite a bit, but still it's not very long in reference to, we're talking about a few hours to a few days even for aerobic power. Mm -hmm. So big picture, like this is kind of a, a question that may already answer itself, but like why, why is it important for everybody to be aware of these and to develop all these energy systems. It's obviously task and lifestyle dependent, right? If you're a marathon runner, why do you care about getting your anaerobic capacity? And if, if, you're, a marathon if you're a sprinter, why do you care about your aerobic capacity? Well, that's actually, that's actually a really good question. And uh, I guess I'll say this, it's not necessarily, you don't necessarily need to train anaerobic energy for everyone. There are some people, in fact, uh, if you had to choose one or the other, I would not do anaerobic energy. You're not gonna get very much bang for your buck, and that's where chaos happens, and it's very hard to get the proper amount of work rest in, in, uh, in reference to anaerobic energy. 
So you don't necessarily, for general population, need anaerobic energy. You, you can get away without it. And keeping in mind that, remember, you can still get what, in a three-minute workout, like, was there a three-minute workout today? Three-minute workout, mm -hmm. yeah. You can still make that aerobic. Depends on how you attack the workout. Pacing, yeah. yeah. Which I think is part of the, like, metrics that we've been playing with. We're trying to incentivize people to have more steady output across yeah. the board. Even on days like today, that short interval, it doesn't mean you have to go into the pain cave every interval because it's short. Yeah. It's like, hey, can we do work that you can repeat over and over? Because well, you have getting the same day. score would be where they get a lot of make a lot of pain for the buck. Yeah. Right. Same same one each time. Um so and I would say to go back to your question too, like it depends on your goals. Like if you're trying to set the world record for a marathon, then like you should just highly specialize your aerobic long energy systems. Whereas if you're trying to set the hundred meter sprint or whatever, then you'd probably need to just develop your yeah. anaerobic. But for most people, like the CrossFit, you know, methodology or the, for most people looking for health, there's health benefits to developing both. Like they they did a study on I think this was from the Huberman podcast. Uh, Are you talking about with uh, like the the cross country skiers? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They they took a bunch of cross country skiers and their heart health and their cardiovascular systems were like very healthy because they in their in their 80s or 90s they were very still very healthy because they had been um, doing cross country skiing their whole life. Yeah, but then, they were. But then, but their bone density and yeah. their muscle mass was 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 as if they hadn't been uh, exercising and that's at all. Without the resistance training, right. yeah. Um, and, and so there's, so you can specialize and be a marathon runner, but then that's not going to help other areas yeah. of your health and fitness. Everyone, as far as longevity goes, everyone needs resistance training. Everyone uh, needs aerobic training, and the resistance will bring that bone density up. Right. Um, so, so it's not necessarily do we need anaerobic energy system training, but resistance, 100%, 100%, massively important for uh, longevity and aerobic. But we don't necessarily need, there's, there are very, there's sport-specific athletes that need it. MMA fighters, we need college sprinters, we have people that are going football players, we need short bursts of energy. But as far as for people who are trying to live their life the best, and especially you got to consider this, whatever movements that you choose for anaerobic energy system training, so that means threshold. It should be something that even at threshold, you're not going to deviate off of what would be good. And you should also be able to have a hard enough contraction. So that means you should be strong enough to, in order to generate enough power in order to get to that place of real adaptation. Again, if we are front, our front squat is a 35 pound technique bar or whatever, 65 uh, pounds on there, it's likely in 30 seconds, we're not gonna be able to uh, flush enough energy in order to make the anaerobic adaptation adaptation so you have to get and that's why when you're first starting off you should do strength work or motor control work or nervous system uh, priming work those are all synonymous to each other and then later on when you get to enough prerequisite boxes as far as the, the strength endurance and the uh, motor control and even some max contractions then, uh, then you can start using anaerobic energy system as a place to make good adaptations because you've gotten to a place where you can flush your energy enough. And here's another point on that, just that I, I experienced as a coach, is the training cost for, for training anaerobic or glycolytic too often is 
much too high if that's not your profession. Yeah. Versus the training cost for general strength and aerobic oh, adaptation. Yeah. Because the, the the uh, like let's just call it stress of training at that intensity without periodized rest or without like self-modulating what you're doing on a day-to-day basis has a training cost that is unsustainable versus you might go there once a week or twice a week but the other days your focus is on you know either building strength or building your aerobic base yeah it's complete and that's another word for it is unsustainable energy and it it fries fries the nervous system to be doing anaerobic energy absolutely devastates it that's why if I could do, and you guys have probably done this too, if I did where I went a minute of all-out efforts on the assault bike, that has act, put me on the ground for 30 minutes after, and then I can slowly peel myself off the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that mean that assault bike is so effective at being able to tap into that energy system just the way it works, um, that you're just so much more fluid than, let's say, a 40-minute workout sustainable pace. I can go off and go right into my day from that 40-minute workout. And even something... So I think that's where CrossFitters get things wrong. So, like, if you... I'm going to take a 12-minute workout, say, like, I don't know, or, or like Helen, for example. Hmm. And that sh- that is, like, a 12-minute workout, you should be using a lot of oxygen in there. Mm-hmm. And so, mo- so pacing on something like that would be the first three minutes or four minutes you're not hurting that bad yeah. whereas most crossfitters flip it and they're going to sprint oh, yeah. in the beginning and then they're just like yeah. they're just banging their head against the wall oh, yeah. and they've reached that anaerobic or yeah anaerobic capacity and max like they've just used it all up yeah and then for the remaining they eight burn minutes the nitrous at the beginning rather right. than the end yeah and then the last eight minutes is just a slog where you're just yeah. be- beating up your body yeah whereas if you're doing it right, then it should be the first four minutes aren't that bad. The yeah. second four minutes are like, I'm starting to get up, a little uncomfortable. you finish off with some gusto if right. you're trying to take a threshold. Exactly. If you're not trying to take a threshold, you finish exactly how you started. Right. And, and so, yeah, so like those 12, like six to 12 minute workouts are pretty common in CrossFit. And, yeah. And there still is pacing needed for those. Yeah. But then, and but I think with those, like, you know, maybe you finish those feeling like, you know, gasping for air a little bit. Yeah. But like a a twenty minute CrossFit workout or longer, when you finish those, you shouldn't be absolutely. You should be like, ready to go again, really yeah, quick. Right. Mm-hmm. It should be like, okay, cool, we're done. Let's fist bump. And yeah. And you actually, yeah. I like to think of it like this: it should be at a pace where, let's say, we said, okay, we're doing another bonus three rounds. Right. That you'd be like, okay, let's do it. You're right. It's not like that would be the most stressful thing you've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And I think that's. That's where the energy systems get mixed up and crossed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's like overcoming the infantile nature of something being born that's brand new, that's exciting. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's definitely come a long way and moved in the right direction. And I think the way that we implement and execute here, because we're not all just trying to, like, smash it every day, and as far as coaches, we're not encouraging people to go to threshold every day. We actually are doing the opposite. So I think it can be executed properly. It just needs, it needs that awareness that like you you could just come and hammer this every day, but it's not going to do any good for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there are still plenty of people who do that. Maybe not here, but yeah. in general, there are plenty of people, especially in the CrossFit space, who the harder the better. And if you didn't feel like you're going to die, you didn't get a good workout. That which is kind of bizarre to me because like I did a shit workout if I feel like that. 
You know what I mean? Like I overstepped. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I use a personal example of, um, I told Tyler this, but uh, so I do a lot of, uh, well, by the way, if you guys aren't already doing it, I know a bunch of us are. Nasal breathing is the super cheat code into proper pacing. It is the, a mega cheat code. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do a lot of nasal breathing training, restricted my pace by what, uh, what I can nasally breathe at, and I'll stay in here one to do too. Um, so over the past, I don't know, six months, I've been really, um, really diving all in into nasal breathing. So I do a test uh, that a lot, a lot of uh, my clients actually do as well, a 10-minute air bike test, um, or a salt bike, or echo bike, whatever is available. Um, and the first time I did it, I got a, a 185 uh, calories on the echo bike. And then I just actually did it last week, and that, that was a threshold. I could go through all the gears. I was probably five minutes in, and I was five or six minutes in. I was in gear four, and I just, uh, I just pounded away to the last end. When I finished, I could barely stand. Um, but I actually redid this. I'll redo it every once in a while. And this time, the test also included I rest three minutes. And then I do uh, some front rack, uh, front rack handstand uh, push-ups, and then I do weighted pull-ups, and then um, I do five box jumps. Well, I actually uh, nasal breathing. This is pretty phenomenal for me. And at the age that we're at, there's less room for improvement. Mm-hmm. Once you, your training age gets high, there's going to be a point where I never see a PR ever again. <laughs> um, and some of the things that I do, except for that, that'll happen more with um, aerobic work. Um, you know, see improvements more. Um, well, I ended up getting at nasal breathing 186. So I didn't even tap. I was still at sustainable pace. Didn't tap into threshold yet. And I never even opened my mouth once. Mm-hmm. And I felt like right after I was, I was done and that workout after, I actually did that workout right after the last time. I crushed it with, uh, with, with the handstand push-ups. I did three... Um, Plate deficit handstand push-ups, strict handstand push-ups I did. Instead of no weight, I used 70 pounds um, for uh, for 10, uh, five strict pull-ups, and then I, the box jump stayed the same as I had a 30-inch box. So I beat it on every measure, um, and it, I wasn't anywhere near as tight. That, that, I think, is the most, maybe the most important part of that statement that I've personally experienced is I am working harder or... or let me rephrase that. I'm getting more work done, and I'm feeling less tired. Yep, exactly. Yep. Like I could, whatever, hold a higher cadence on the bike for a longer time, but I feel less tired. Yep. And that's that's the immediate effect you'll see. Yeah. Now, in order to start beating your old anaerobic work, your threshold work, um, usually, but your pace will master improve, so it might be right away. Then you're gonna have to give it some time doing it. You're gonna have to stick with it for a little bit, and then it's you'll be sold. I promise you, give it a month, you're going to be 100% sold. I haven't seen someone that hasn't tried it for a month. I'm like, I can't believe I've taken this long to, to do this. We should get Siorli in here because Siorli is a member in my morning classes, and she was a competitive triathlete and did Ironmans and all types of long stuff, and she started CrossFit about a year ago. She just went through real heavy weight loss and found nasal breathing through you, Yeah. and she is spreading it like the gospel to every single oh, yeah. person in the 730 yeah. class. And yeah. she's like, I cannot believe how good I feel at the end of a workout. Yeah. She finishes every workout and goes and runs. Every single person I've introduced it to, they, yeah. they have been like, they've been uh, gospels of it from yeah. that point. But they've been disciples of nasal breathing. The initial yeah. month yeah. is so damn uncomfortable yeah. right. that it turns people off. But if, well, I agree, if you can get through that, 
mental barrier yeah. of like not of I don't, the discipline of it. I don't even know how because there is a little bit of that like you feeling like you're starving for air, but there's also the the ego thing that's, that's really hard. That's the biggest hurdle because it's for like people, you're yeah. on you're on the bike or whatever, yeah. and you're breathing through your nose, and you can't go very fast. Yeah. And other people are going fast. And than that's you. the by far. So yeah. I would I like to tell and you're people like, this. You're like screw it. I'm gonna open my mouth. It is <laughs> abandoned how you think you should perform. Right. Let it be a, a whole new event. Like you've never done this before. If you can get how you used to do out of out of the picture, you'll be fine. And you don't yeah. have to take it to that level where you're dying. Which that in a, in itself is super beneficial to do every once in a yeah. while. Just like take away all like. Yeah all your performance indicators where you yeah. think you're at every once in a while just like for at least a week or a month just reset don't pay attention to your scores or what your scores used yep. to be and just like experience the workout and like don't worry about anything else just yep. about how you're feeling like that's a really beneficial thing to do that and the other thing to remember is uh, this is where anaerobic work gets hairy too is that your uh your Breath is the first sign, and how you're breathing, if your breath goes wild until your movement, is the first sign of positional capacity waning. You will not see someone who is it was moving really reckless that they also don't have crazy breath going on. Now, on the other end of that, if you can control your breath, your movement will also be controlled. They, yeah. they go hand in hand. So, but that's also why, like, when I, a lot of the work I do, I allow my breath to tell me how much work I should do. So, if I'm doing anaerobic energy work, uh, one of the things I use is tense. If I'm doing a longer anaerobic lactic power work, uh, like a 60 second thing, then I'll go, um, let's say 40 to 60 seconds. And, um, and that's when I rest a while. Uh, but why it's 40 to 60? Because let's say I get into 10 seconds of a gear four, uh, which is mouth mouth breathing. Then, and that, let's say that 10 seconds, uh, initially when I start mouth mouth breathing, that's at 42 seconds. Then I'll know at 52 seconds, I've, enough work has been done to get the highest amount of adaptation. And that's if I'm forced into that mouth breathing. Now at this stage, that rarely happens for me, but I still have that. For a lot of people, it's really useful when they're not as developed as what I am. But that will tell you exactly using the breath how much work you should do for anaerobic energy. And that ties this whole thing, I think, back to the initial like conversation starter was these energy systems that we have in our body. If we spend most time and energy in this, what we're talking about, the aerobic system, the rest of it is just going to get better. Yeah. But it's not really true the other way around. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a really good point. Yeah. So if you're coming here and only spending time in that pain cave and yeah. then holding on for the rest of the workout, you're not going to get the other side of the benefit. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The, the other thing to think about is how strength has an impact on both uh, aerobic or creatine phosphate has an impact on both aerobic and on a glycolytic, um, because let's say we do something where it is mixed modality as far as an aerobic workout. And let's say the first time that you do it, you do a, we'll say thrusters, say thrusters, uh, push-ups, and, um, and pull-ups, right? We'll just keep it simple. Now, the first time you do this workout, then um, it, you do it with 65 pounds. Um, well, that 65 pounds, if you're not very strong yet, that 65 pounds is gonna get real anaerobic real quick um, so it's going to dip you into that reservoir way before you will once you develop and get strong. Because if you can make 65 pounds feel like 35 pounds, then you can make it a lot more sustainable for forever. So those have, those have lots of uh, crossover with each other. Mm -hmm. So developing the strength helps develop the um, lactolytic or helps develop the uh, anaerobic. 
and also helps develop the aerobic. Because the idea is we can make more and more things aerobic. But the other thing to remember is that when someone's brand new, this is why the mixed modality for aerobic work for someone brand new can be very, very tricky because they don't, know, they don't have strength in any of this stuff and they probably don't have any skill development in any, any of this stuff. It's going to be really, really hard for them to stay aerobic with a bunch of mixed modality work because they don't know what their pace should be. They might not have enough strength to even come do the, the, the thing without it going into anaerobic. But a cyclical, on a cyclical event, or, or something very simple, it could be mixed modality with something very simple, like a, a farmer's carry and a row, for example. You could mix the row and farmer's carry. Then it's much easier to dial into that aerobic work, which would be the sustained pace. But if you're not continuous with your aerobic work, it means you're not sustained. If, if it's anything other than a very short break and you get right back at it with about the same amount of reps, it's likely not aerobic. I had a a thought, and I don't know if the science checks out, but I'd be curious to see your input on it. So let's put an example as like a mixed modality workout that has an 800 meter run, which ideally should be at an aerobic pace, but then you come off the run and you have like, let's say, two legless rope climbs and Sled two push. deadlifts <laughs> at 400 pounds. Yep. Is, so does this science check out, and this has been long kind of a theory of mine as far as elite crossfitters is they're all they're kind of able to switch between these engines in and out so like they can get this anaerobic uh pace then they come in and they're dipping into that uh they're in an aerobic pace and they come in and they have something that's like really much more of a strength and explosive type movement they dip into that like glycolytic but then they go back for the run and they can switch back into an ana into an oh, aerobic yeah. state yeah so like and, they and leave in and out of the oh yeah you have, they they have they have massive carryover on each other so if i'm doing let's say a workout where i have that long run i can actually downshift like we do with downshifting our breath back into that aerobic pace and then we have we'll say a heavy 250 pound power lift. then yeah they're going to be getting they're going to be dipping back into the anaerobic and then they go into, we'll say, um, they do some lunges. Then they can go back to aerobic. So they're, and, and they're upshifting and downshifting based off of how you need. So it, it just takes a lot more skill yeah. to be able to go up to that upshift and downshift. Yeah, and 100%. I've always thought like a, a word for me that describes this, like especially with elite crossfitters because of the tests that they put them through is like a fluidity of energy systems. Yep. Where most people are kind of stuck in one or the other. Yeah. Because those they've only developed like one bucket. Yeah. That's like their strength. <laughs> well, it's hard to shift gears. It's hard to shift gears from one or the other. Yeah. But even if you're shifting gears um, up to anaerobic, the workout that, that how it's designed and how you scale that workout um, should allow you to do it very continuously. Mm -hmm. And that if that's whatever if that's um, nine power cleans, it doesn't have to be nine all at once. But if you do three, three, three rest, very short, two breaths, three, three, three rest, very short. And you get to that by scaling appropriately or picking a different movement. Mm -hmm. If, if uh, something as complex as power cleans is something that is kind of, you're biting up more than you can chew, make it something like a kettlebell swing, right? So as continuous as you can get, you'll get the most pain for your butt without all the fluctuations of upshifting and downshifting like that. Right. And I think there's two reasons why people are good at that and like at an elite level is one, they're they know so say they're doing like rope climbs and deadlifts something that's going to spike your heart rate they know like i'm never going to get past 
the point where I'm in such a deficit where I can't recover on that run. So yeah. like they just know their bodies really well. But then also they they are developed. Their recovery systems are really developed. So like if you do, like say all three of us did an interval um, work where we did three minutes on. And then we didn't do another one until our heart rates were reduced back down to yeah. a low rate or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like, or like you're down to a gear one and breathing. Whatever right. Now. Like I'm gonna, th- I'm gonna make an assumption here that I'm not as fit as you guys, and so <laughs> I would take longer. From my heart rate would take longer to reduce back down. Yeah. Um, and that's that's an adaptation. Like the the faster you can bring your heart rate down, yeah. the fitter you are. And so when you're very very fit. You can go to that that uh, anaerobic. Get close to that max heart rate. Yeah, and then and then you can downshift easily. Where, like, if you're not very fit, once you get to that max heart rate, you're like you're you're just spent. Like, there's no 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 way you're gonna recover. So, and uh, but also, if you stretch the borders of your aerobic, Mm -hmm. then you're gonna have much more room before it gets there. So, like, that's why I specifically I'll stay. I could easily upshift to that uh, glycolytic or anaerobic. I can easily upshift, but I'm specifically staying within that that place of deep air hunger where I feel like I'm suffocating, but not upshifting to a gear two even. Mm-hmm. And then I'm really stretching the border of that base. So it's going to be a, I can I can hit that base longer and longer and longer. And then later on, I could I could be doing 350 pound deadlifts and still with that with that all that time I spent there still within be at an aerobic pace. It'll take me longer to get into that anaerobic. Uh, but it's not just like okay you're doing deadlifts now we're anaerobic but you right. can still do heavy stuff and it still be aerobic mm-hmm. I also think as far as the example we're talking about is like a person's ability to buffer fatigue or clear lactate while they work yeah. is also a huge indicator of their fitness too like mm-hmm. and if I go back to that 800 meter run after doing those explosive movements there's lactate that I built up doing those explosive things but I'm able to clear that via my legs and in my circulatory system, or back, use it as fuel, or use it as fuel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back in that aerobic system. Yeah, and that's that's how it just is that booster. So the more you you lengthen the aerobic system, the higher you'll perform. But it's, and I think it's great because people that actually commit to this, then they realize that their performance is improving across every measure, and they don't have to go as hard, and they're not they're not getting injured as much, they win on every front. Mm-hmm. They're not getting, like, they're not coming across the problems that they did when they're hitting that chaos realm with anaerobic energy. Yeah. And you said something really powerful that I think, honestly, as a, like, personal, if I was to look at myself as an athlete, it was my biggest asset, especially when I was doing competitions, was the intuition of your threshold. So, like, mm-hmm. as I'm approach, if, if I'm in a workout competitively and as I'm approaching a spot where if I dip into this, I know it's going to be bad news for the rest of the day. Yeah. And some people just don't have that information. And maybe because they haven't gone there and, like, mapped it all out. Yeah. Or they're like, no, I can do it. Yes. <laughs> right. It's, it's not a realistic expectation of, like, you know your edges really well. But once you know your edges really well, it's easier to train those energy systems properly. Yeah. Right. You also have to consider that the more systemic a movement is, too, the more likely it's going to dip you into anaerobic like if we're doing um if we're doing something like a squat which is a very systemic movement there's a lot of your body getting involved in, so it's say a back squat uh, it's going to turn anaerobic so much quicker than let's say uh, we're doing a jump rope or even a pull-up 
isn't going to get it there as quickly as a full systemic movement like a squat or a thruster. Yeah, a thruster. Yeah, thruster pull up, baby. Yep. Yeah. Um, so good takeaways for the people listening. Uh, takeaways. Slow it down. Slow it Would down, that be yeah. a good one? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Like, pay attention to the time of the workout, and if it's a, if it's longer than three minutes and slow it down usually yeah. and even if, if keep in mind guys don't train threshold more than once a week that's the absolute limit and if you're new don't go to threshold at all don't do threshold stay a whole month and just before you ever start thinking about threshold stay in that gear one mm-hmm. um, so if, but you, you guys don't need to go to that threshold you can get plenty out of while using that cheat code which is your breath to stay within sustainable rounds. Gear one, gear two, so na- nasal breathing. Um, but also, make if you are trying to keep it from getting into anaerobic, your movement should be continuous. Like I know, like if we throw handstand push-ups into the mix, I know often it turns into just chipping away at it, like one or two at a time. Well, you know, once you get there, that, that that's not an aerobic workout. It's, it's you, you, you're, you've hit muscle fatigue and you aren't able to stay continuous with it. So you got to be mindful about which movements you choose. In those longer workouts, you should have a lot of muscular endurance in order for the movement that you're doing to be appropriate. You're not trying to develop strength. I'm not trying to improve the level of uh, handstand push-ups I can do. I'm trying to improve the volume of what I'm doing. I'm trying to improve the same number of reps and do we able to do it faster. But I'm not going to turn the handstand push-ups into a five-plate handstand deficit uh, push-up. I think just... Like for, there we there was a lot of like words in here, right? I was gonna say there's probably two listeners left. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're like uh, checked out at like like a lactate. Um, but like if you're lying on the ground at the end of a workout more than once a week, even if that like that's pro- that might you probably don't even need to be doing that. But if that's you, you're the person we're talking to as far as developing energy systems in a more sustainable way in a healthier way, honestly, because as you mentioned, like getting that dump of cortisol and just writhing in pain isn't adaptation. And I think especially newer people equate that effort with adaptation. Yeah. They're like, I went so hard, I'm going to get so fit. Yeah. But that's not how it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, that is that, that when we're doing strength training, once you've got developed mode control, you do have to take it to that place where you can't hardly do another rep. Once you, you're in a, you've earned the right to get there, you don't want to jump too quick to that. But that's how adaptation happens. That shaking is you adapting. So, and that's different than heart and lungs. Strength. Yes, yes, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. All right, well, congrats if you made it this far. <laughs> yeah, I know. If you get a medal, this talent will make a medal. Oh, God. I got a These people are going to have PhDs. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, sorry for that one. <laughs> I had fun. I thought, oh, okay.